0: Welcome to the Life in the Rock podcast. Here you'll find a commitment to sharing with others the challenges and joys of our spiritual journey. The goal is to offer relevant and thought-provoking material on today's issues. My name is Keith Harris. I'm the host of this podcast and the preaching minister for the Winsong Church of Christ in North Little Rock, Arkansas. The church is located at 3 Winsong Drive in North Little Rock. If you're searching for joy and peace in life, I want to encourage you to visit Winsong, where you'll discover the joy and peace that are only found in Christ. Thank you for listening. I want to welcome you to our continued study through this series, Name Above All Names, as we're looking at the names of Jesus as we find them in Scripture. Certainly there are a lot of names Uh, or titles that we see of Jesus, but some of those that we've looked at thus far is the name Jesus. We've seen that he is the great I Am, Jesus is the author of life, he is the good shepherd, and he is the Lamb of God. A.J. Swoboda, in his book, Subversive Sabbath, the surprising power of rest in a nonstop world, sheds light on the reality of the world in which we live. Just a few short decades ago, life for many was slow-paced. Time was spent at home. Uh, Whole families gathered around the dinner table and actually ate together. Uh, And if you can believe it, they ate with the television off. No cell phones, no distractions. Uh, Life was filled with much less hustle and bustle. Concerning the reality of our world today, Swoboda noted, Our 24-7 culture conveniently provides every good and service we want, when we want, how we want. Our time-saving devices, technological conveniences, and cheap mobility have seemingly made life much easier and interconnected. As a result, we have more information at our fingertips than anyone in history. Yet with all this progress, we are ominously dissatisfied. In bowing at these sacred altars of hyperactivity, progress, and technological compulsivity, our souls increasingly pant for meaning and value and truth as they wither away, exhausted, frazzled, displeased, ever on edge. The result is a hollow culture that, in Paul's words, is ever learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Timothy 3 verse 7. Increasingly so, Swoboda says. You know, with so many conveniences, so much technology, many tend to carry on working non-stop as though they and their careers were the Energizer Bunny. There appears to be very little time for rest, relaxation, and refocusing. A favorite fast food chain of many is Chick-fil-A, this restaurant chain which first appeared on the scene in 1946, specializes in chicken meals and is famous for the statement, We didn't invent the chicken, just the chicken sandwich. The founder of Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy, was a devoutly religious man. Cathy passed away in September of 2014 at the age of 93. One interesting fact about this wildly successful restaurant chain is they're not open on Sundays. When asked why, Truett Cathy once commented, our decision to close on Sunday was our way of honoring God and directing our attention to things more important than our business. If it took seven days to make a living with a restaurant, then we needed to be in some other line of work. Through the years, I have never wavered from that position. Now, from a business perspective, many in our world do not agree with his decision. But you cannot help respecting Truett Cathy for his integrity and commitment to living out his belief, even in his workplace. Many today fail to realize the importance of a fully committed life. We see this in all aspects of life. and Sadly, we see a lack of full commitment on the part of many who claim to be followers of Christ. Granted, no one is perfect, but there ought to be a marked difference between the approach to life on the part of a non-believer and a believer. Unfortunately, this difference is often missing. More specifically, one's faith in God and Christ ought to be a part of who they are, affecting every other aspect of their life. This, too, often goes unnoticed. Truett Cathy said, I see no conflict whatsoever between Christianity and good business practices. People say you can't mix business with religion. I say there's no other way. The reality is every aspect of the life of one who claims to be a child of God must be fully engulfed by God. There can be no separation. Understanding that There can be no separation, no compartmentalization within the various aspects of the believer's life helps us understand the reality of yet another title ascribed to Jesus by himself. I am the true vine, John chapter 15, verse 1. The true vine. With this title, Jesus helps his followers see the importance of staying connected to him. When Jesus uses this title of himself, he's not introducing some new concept. As a matter of fact, the metaphor of the vine can be clearly seen in the Old Testament. Israel is understood to be God's vine. The prophet Isaiah brings this idea to light through the inspiration of the Spirit. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting, and he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold an outcry. Isaiah chapter five, verses one through seven. This portion of Isaiah's prophecy uses imagery that would have been familiar to the people in Isaiah's day. Vineyards were well cared for in the Mediterranean world. They were protected from vandalism and other possible destructions such as from wild animals. These vineyards were symbols of great blessing and prosperity among the people of the land. Those vineyards whose yield was tremendous were considered to be gifts from God as he blessed his people. Hosea pointed out the words of God concerning Israel. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her, and there I will give her her vineyards. Hosea 2, verses 14 and 15. Hosea's prophecy is clear. God is the one giving the vineyards. They are a blessing from God to his people. When Isaiah used this imagery, he did so in order to point to the relationship between God and God's people, Israel. Isaiah is teaching the people of God a vital lesson. Failing to remain faithful to God will result in disaster. The prophet will address this imagery of the vineyard again in Isaiah 27, verses 2-6. Jesus used the imagery of a vineyard elsewhere in his teaching, more than what we have already seen in John's Gospel. Matthew shares two parables of Jesus in which a vineyard is the setting. The parable of the laborers in the vineyard, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1-16, through 16, illustrates God's prerogative to bless those who labor in his vineyard equally, without regard for the duration of their time spent laboring. The parable of the tenants, Matthew chapter 21 verses 33 through 42, lends itself to a closer understanding of Isaiah 5. It's not difficult to note the symbolism of God as the vineyard owner and Jesus as the owner's son. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 40. In this parable, there's an obvious lack of concern for the owner's servants, the owner's son, and the owner himself. When this teaching of Jesus is related to God and Christ, it becomes clear this is an indictment against the chief priests and the Jewish leaders or elders of the people, specifically those who questioned his authority in Matthew 21 verse 23. Jesus shared this parable of the tenants some time prior to his farewell address to his disciples. Most biblical scholars identify the farewell address of Jesus to his disciples as his teaching found in John 13, verse 31, through chapter 16, verse 33. In the middle of this portion of Jesus' teaching, we find the title of true vine. Why would Jesus identify himself as the true vine at this moment? What is the significance of Jesus being the true vine? What does it mean that God is the vine dresser? In order to answer these questions, we need to hear again the words of Jesus in their full context. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes as the father has loved me so have i loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things i've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full john chapter 15 verses 1 through 11 it is clear to see the theme of this particular teaching of jesus He's calling his disciples to remain connected to him, or as he put it, abide in me, John chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus understood that after his departure, the road his disciples would travel would be marked with hardship, persecution, and turmoil. Remaining connected to Jesus provides strength and reassurance of his care and guidance, even through the most challenging times. Jesus is the true vine. Why is this significant? Because as the true vine, Jesus is the one through whom the sustenance of God is delivered to us, the branches. As with all vines, nutrients is carried to the individual branches so that the fruit of the vine is produced. In this metaphor, Jesus is the conduit through whom the spiritual blessings of God, his grace, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness, his salvation, are delivered to God's people. Apart from Jesus, the true vine, we will dry up and wither, good for nothing but to be burned. Jesus said, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. John chapter 15, verse 6. Remaining connected to Jesus provides the spiritual nutrients we need to grow and flourish, producing fruit that will bring glory to God. Jesus, the true vine, reveals that God is the vine dresser in John chapter 15, verse 1. What does it mean that God is the vine dresser? Jesus makes clear that the vine dresser prunes the branches that are fruit-producing. This allows for more produce to result. But this is not the only responsibility of the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, John chapter 15 verse 2. "The vine dresser takes away the branches that are not producing fruit. These are the branches that are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Those that are connected to the true vine, those that produce fruit, are those that are pruned not burned. Notice again what Jesus said. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. John chapter 15 verse 2. Did you notice? Every branch in me. Jesus said in me. The overarching theme of this portion of Jesus' teaching is abiding in Jesus, remaining connected to him. In the same way, branches of a vine only thrive when connected to the vine, so we can only thrive spiritually when abiding in Jesus, the true vine. Ultimately, God will destroy those that do not abide in Christ and those that do abide in Christ receive the nutrients they need to grow and produce fruit. God the vine dresser then prunes those branches so further growth can occur. Remaining connected to Jesus provides assurance that God's careful spiritual pruning will allow for further spiritual growth. As Jesus addressed his disciples he clearly illustrated the benefits of abiding in him. Without question, abiding in Jesus and bearing fruit are that which bring glory to God. Jesus noted, "By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." John chapter 15 verse 8. Bearing fruit can only occur when the branch is connected to the vine. Disciples of Jesus must bear fruit as proof of their discipleship. It's faith in action. Through our active faith, God is glorified. It's up to every individual to make sure they abide in Jesus, the true vine. I hope you've been encouraged by these words today. To find more on this topic or other spiritual matters, please visit lifeintherock.org. You can also visit Facebook and search Life in the Rock. I invite you to like, follow, and share this page with your family and friends. My prayer is that God will bless you today and that you will seek Him with all your heart. Thank you for listening.